is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I notice all the networks pretty much shooting video out of Gaza. And the people who are moving south, displaced from their homes. I haven't seen a single video of the Israelis who've been forced to move out of their homes from the northern border with Hezbollah, half a million Israelis. Why is that? Interesting. When you're president of a country or prime minister, and you're a free country, and you're surrounded by enemies, your number one job when you're attacked is to defeat that enemy. Everything else is secondary. Including Joe Biden's political interests and his campaign and his base. And I'm noticing America more and more as each day goes by, that the Biden administrations, through the usual media, CNN, Washington Post, MSNBC, the New York Times, and all the rest of them, are now talking about the ouster of Netanyahu, that he can't survive, that he can't last. They want to move him out, bring in some left-wing flunkies like Ehud Barak, who tried to overthrow the duly elected Netanyahu government for a year, because this is what they want. Now, what's interesting is, in my two shows on Fox, the monologue that I gave Saturday has received an enormous amount of interest, and people keep talking to me about it as they come up to me. And some of you may not have heard it. I don't normally do this because I only have three hours, and three hours means about, what is it, Mr. Producer, 40 minutes an hour, give or take. But I thought I'd play part of it for you now, and then after the bottom of the hour, the final part. And maybe you can see what people are talking about as well. So this is from last Saturday, opening statement, Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox. Go. I want to talk about casualties. Do you think 100,000 civilian deaths in one year is significant? Oh, it's massive. When you consider we lost about 59,000 
men and women in the Vietnam War. When you consider we lost over 50,000 in the Korean War, it's a lot of people. Those were combatants, not civilians, not citizens. So let me ask you a question. When a president of the United States keeps a border open intentionally, the southern border, and upwards of 100,000 young Americans aged 18 to 45 die every single year that border is open from fentanyl, almost 100,000 civilian, American civilian casualties, well, what kind of president is that? Is that a man who gives a damn about human life? Is that a man who's compassionate about the American people? Is that a man who wants to protect the American people? Absolutely silent. He doesn't even talk about it. While his flunky, the secretary of DHS, keeps testifying that the border is secure or we need comprehensive immigration reform. And I'm not even including the inhumanity, the other inhumanity that's taking place on the border, the sex slaves, the children sold into sex slavery, the rapes, the murders, the other drugs coming across, drug cartels with ties to the communist Chinese who use techniques like ISIS coming into our country. They now have a foothold in every major metropolitan area and in every one of our states. What kind of a president is that? He's a president that they should be impeached. That's a high crime. Doing that to your own country? 100,000 civilian deaths a year, probably more. We just had the FBI director testify that the FBI now controls enough fentanyl, illegal fentanyl, that it has, uh, that it has acquired to kill 270 million Americans. 270 million Americans? And the border's still wide open, given what's going on in the Middle East? Can you think of another country that has an open border? Any? Can you think of another president or prime minister or dictator or monarch who would leave a border open like that so its own people are suffering and dying? We're talking about potential terrorist attacks. We're going to have them. We all know it. You can't have millions of people coming in here, not vetting them, not even know who they are and where they're going and assume that the people who want to blow us up, the people who took down the towers, the people who've hit us over and over and over and over again, that all of a sudden they're going to somehow respect the rules of law or they're not going to sneak across the border. Biden knows it. Harris knows it. The attorney general knows it. The FBI director is sitting right next to Mayorkas, and he wouldn't even point the finger and say, you need to secure that border. No, he couldn't even bring himself to do that. Why am I telling you this? Because Joe Biden doesn't give a damn about American civilian casualties as he goes on about civilian casualties in Gaza. As he talks about a humanitarian ceasefire, you know what a humanitarian ceasefire is? It's appeasement. It's appeasement in stages. But appeasement in stages is appeasement. The Israelis cannot afford to lose a war when their very survival is at stake. Ask Hamas. They keep announcing we're going to keep at it till they're destroyed. Ask Hamas's rioters, protesters. The Hamas network, you see them in the streets, you hear the professors, you see the college students, you even see the media. What do they say? as they spew the propaganda of the enemy, as they spew the propaganda of the enemy. The Democrat Party is a problem. The Democrat Party is a party without a soul. It's a party without principle. It's a party without morality. That's why the Democratic Socialists, a.k.a. Marxists who hate America, that's why the Hamas Nazi supporting individuals in our country, they're all Democrats. They have representation in Congress. 
They have representation in Democrat Party organizations. They have representation in the Democrat media. They're not Republicans. They're not constitutional conservatives. They hate us. But I want to talk about civilian casualties because they're trying to now force Netanyahu to resign. MSNBC and Biden and the other. He's weak. He's weak. No, it's Biden who should resign. He should be impeached. A high crime that he's committing against the people of the United States, just the southern border alone. But I want to give us a little bit of history here that I'm sure is not being taught in our schools. The Civil War. The siege of Vicksburg was one of the most tactically important victories for the Union in the American Civil War, writes Aaron O'Neill at Statistica, as it helped give them control of the Mississippi River, while cutting off a major supply line for Union forces. When Major General Ulysses S. Grant's Union troops tried to take the fortress by force in mid-May 1863, they were twice pushed back with heavy casualties. Instead of sending his men to try a third time, Grant had a different idea. He encircled Vicksburg, the second most important military manufacturing city in the Confederacy. One side, the Mississippi River, he sent his massive gunboats. The rest of it, often on a hill, he surrounded it. And what did he do? Night after night, day after day, relentlessly, he prevented anyone from leaving and he prevented anyone from going in. No ingress, no egress. Citizen, non-citizen, it didn't matter. The inhabitants survived for about 40 days before running out of provisions. They couldn't get any food. Many reports claim the starving inhabitants, mostly citizens, but also military, had to resort to eating dogs and rats in order to survive. Dogs and rats. Some people starved to death. Most were malnourished. It was a horrendous scene. Vicksburg. Was Abraham Lincoln a war criminal or was Abraham Lincoln one of our greatest presidents in American history? And let me ask this question. Israel needs to fight to survive. Hamas has said it wants to destroy them. Hamas is backed by Iran. Hamas is backed by Hezbollah. Hamas is now backed by Russia and China. This tiny little Jewish state with seven million Jews up against it. Do they have a right to fight to win? Not if you listen to Joe Biden, a humanitarian ceasefire. So you can provide food and medicine and fuel that the enemy Hamas steals. There's evidence they're stealing fuel from the hospitals. They're using their people as fodder. The Israelis aren't doing it. The enemy's doing that. But of course, the American media are all in. Was it really okay for the Israelis to go after one commander who helped lead the slaughter of their people with all the casualties that occurred? Do you think that would have been asked during the Civil War? So here's my question. Abraham Lincoln. In my view, the second greatest president in American history, George Washington I. Do we revere him? You bet we do. Why? Because he defeated the South, he kept the Union together, and he ended slavery. Well, let me ask you something. 700,000 casualties, 50,000 citizens died. Now, I know it's not as much as the open border that Biden has with 100,000 Americans dying every year, but 50,000 were killed. Was it worth the battle to keep the nation together and to end slavery? Well, most of us think it was. You see, Lincoln didn't agree with a two-state solution. It was one country, no two-state solution. He could have easily negotiated for a two-state solution. He said, no, it's the United States of America. That's number one. Number two, slavery. Slavery was barbaric. Do we agree? Democrat, Republican, all of us agree? 
Yes. 700,000 casualties. So when the Israelis fight for their lives, for their survival, is that okay? No. No, they're the aggressor. No, they're the occupier. No, they need to be obliterated. And so they keep trying to pull Netanyahu back. They keep trying to pull the IDF back. Well, it seems to me, if it was good enough to fight, and it should be, and it was, to end slavery, well, it's good enough for the Israelis to fight for their lives and their very survival, and against this whole notion of a two-state solution, which would be their final solution. You want to hear another one? How about the Battle of Atlanta? By 1864, General William Tecumseh Sherman had come to believe that a Union victory required not only defeating the Southern armies, listen, but also destroying the South's physical ability and psychological will to continue the war. This was also the case in World War II. World War II is often called the war against civilians. Dresden, Berlin, London, Nagasaki, Hiroshima, all aimed partially at military, but all aimed at destroying the will of the people to support these regimes, all of them. And we were involved in them, big time. Atlanta, a transportation industrial center and symbol of Confederate strength, made a prime target. So what did Sherman do? Well, he marched through Atlanta like crap through a goose. Soldiers set fire to the city, culminating when the troops set much of the downtown area ablaze during the last night in the city. Sherman had carefully studied census records to make sure his troops could live off the land before leaving Atlanta and to maintain his supply line. The Union soldiers raided farms, destroyed cotton fields and mills, slaughtered livestock, burned properties where they met resistance and took as much food as they could carry. During the occupation of Atlanta, Sherman wrote to city officials there, war is cruelty and you cannot refine it. Years later, he shortened this sentiment during an address at the Michigan Military Academy. War is hell. And we've always viewed it that way, and we've always fought it that way. Two of our greatest presidents, Lincoln and then later Grant, viewed it that way. We would not have this country. We would not have ended slavery if we didn't fight the way we fight. We would not have won World War II and defeated Hitler in the Third Reich, Tojo, the Japanese emperor, and uh, Imperial Japan. We would not have defeated Mussolini and fascistic Italy. We would not have destroyed those concentration camps and all the rest of the brutality that the Axis powers were involved in had we not fought to win. To win. That's our perspective. That should be our perspective. Now that I'm back live, that covers some of the areas we've discussed before, and there's another piece of it that I want to play for you after the bottom of the hour, since the next segment will be too short. But Biden and the Democrat Party and his Obama advisors are such ruthless thugs that they're trying to push out Netanyahu. They've given the word to their media. You can see it, you can read it, you can hear it. Because they want, they want a pliable Ehud Barak type or Lapid type. We'll do what they want. We'll do what they say. And what a disaster that would be. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hey. 
Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text data message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals it's a short segment and a perfect time to remind people who are listening to this program. If you haven't voted yet and you live in Virginia or Pennsylvania and Ohio and Kentucky, a very close race, and some of the other areas of the country, you owe it to your family, to your community, to the country to do it. Nobody's asking you to go to war. You're being asked to vote. In Virginia, which has been a state I've lived in for over 40 years, Loudoun County, where I've lived for over 20 years, it is essential that you folks get out to support your sheriff, Chapman, your delegate candidate, Higgins, the Senate candidate, Segura, and the chairman for the county commissioner slot, Katz. But all over Virginia, you know what's going on in your county. Just get out and vote. Nobody's asking you to do anything more than that. A lot of Americans can't vote today. They don't have anything to vote for. There is no election in most of the states. There's an off-year election. This is the time you... Catch the Democrats sleeping and bite them in the ass. Same with Kentucky. You have a very close governor's race. Very close. Very important. Mississippi, you have a very close governor's race. I don't know why, but you do. And there's races in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, Ohio. You have a very important ballot question. So when in doubt, go vote. That's all you have to do. Send a message to the nation. I'll be right back. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's 
L-E-V-I-N, to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Mark Levin, America's think tank. And you can call him at 877-381-3811. I've got about another five minutes of this monologue. I'll tell you what's interesting, and I'm going to play it shortly. You can see when I delve into these things, I'm not regurgitating, repeating anything that anybody else has said. I'm an independent thinker. This is what I do. While other people are out doing whatever they do in between their times on radio and TV. But this is what I do. And I've also talked at some length now over the past few weeks, few months on this program, but a few weeks on Fox and elsewhere, about the real Islamophobia where it's occurring. How Muslims have killed more Muslims than anybody else has killed Muslims. How Arabs have killed more Arabs than anybody else has killed Arabs. And it's starting to resonate on Fox and talk radio, and it's very, very important that it does. And so here again, Saturday, the last five minutes of my opening statement. Go ahead. All these calls for the state of Israel, slow down. Be careful. Don't hit the school. Don't hit the hospital. And here we have terrorists, desert rats, hiding among their people. And the Israel is the only army on the planet that's supposed to fight a war humanely. That's supposed to fight a war and pick out the enemy from the citizen, even though they're wearing the same things. And the enemy knows this and is purposely hiding among the citizens. Joe Biden says he's very concerned about the, the Palestinian citizens. He's not even concerned about the American citizens. What happened to those Americans in Afghanistan? Hundreds of them left behind. He doesn't even talk about them. They're there because of him. Blinken doesn't even talk about them. Getting the hostages back. I think Biden made it a little more complicated when he handed $6 billion over to the Iranians. I don't want to hear that it wasn't our money. The South Koreans wouldn't have released it without our say-so. They held it back with our say-so. And that money's there for a reason. The Iranians already said they'll do whatever the hell they want to do with it. And the spigot's still wide open. A billion and a half dollars a week going to the Iranian Nazi regime that's funding, funding Hamas, that's funding Hezbollah, that's funding the the Houthis, that's funding the attacks on America. Funding the attacks on America. And he says he's very concerned about the civilian deaths taking place in Gaza, not Texas. Not New York City. No. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this is the worst president in American history. Causing wars. He's going to cause a disastrous terrorist attack, one or more in this country. He's caused all kinds of harm and I will say death in our own country already. American citizens. He left citizens behind in Afghanistan. He is a complete and unmitigated disaster. But the Democrat Party has a problem. Much bigger than the Republican Party. The Democrat Party, as I've written, it not only hates America, but what is the Democrat Party? The Democrat Party is basically an unprincipled organization that seeks power for those who run it. 
And that's why you can have in the Democrat Party overwhelming number of Jewish voters, overwhelming number of Muslim voters, overwhelming number of voters who will support and are Hamas versus an overwhelming number of people who support Israel voting for the same candidates. How can that be? Well, let me ask you the climate change Marxist fanatics who are destroying, destroying our ability to produce oil and coal and natural gas, steel and aluminum who are hollowing out the industrial heartland of our country. How can the Democrat Party represent working class Americans, union and non-union, and at the same time represent the psycho radical left sitting in their office buildings or their Ivy League school offices dictating how they're going to destroy the industrial heartland? How is it that they both vote Democrat? Because they have a corrupt media, a corrupt media, a propagandist media with, dem with demagogic hosts. The New York Times covered up the Holocaust, and now it is the mouthpiece for it. It's the propaganda wing of Hamas in the United States. Same with our big networks, same with so much of the American media. That's how the Democrats get away with it. That's how Biden gets away with it. And at the same time, they call Republicans and conservatives racists. In fact, here we have an article from CNN. White House announces national strategy to combat Islamophobia. Tell me something, ladies and gentlemen. Where are all the marching Jews demanding the obliteration or elimination of Muslims? Where are they? What city are they in? Where are all the universities and colleges promoting Islamophobia? Or are those Jewish students running in the libraries and in the attics locking themselves up fearful? for their own lives and violence. Where are all the pro-Israel, pro-Jewish professors, tenured professors, going on and on about, about how the, the uh, Muslims are occupiers overseas? But there is Islamophobia, and it's horrific. It's horrendous. It's just not in the United States. It's in the Muslim and Arab countries. More Muslims are being slaughtered and have been slaughtered by other Muslims than anybody else and anywhere else on the face of the earth. And it's going on as I speak, whether it's Yemen, whether it's Iran, whether it's Iraq, Syria murdered over half a million of its own people, Muslims. The Palestinian Authority murders its own people. Hamas murders its own people. Hezbollah murders its own people. It's Muslims slaughtering Muslims. Is White House announces national strategy to combat Islamophobia. Now, why have they done this? Two quick reasons. One. Because the part of their base is very upset that Joe Biden gave a speech that he's standing with Israel, which, by the way, he's not. He's doing as little as possible. Mark, he's given them arms. Every president has provided them with arms. But he's also provided their enemy with $70 billion. Let's see. $3.4 billion versus $70 billion. Seems a little out of whack to me, doesn't it, you, America? But it's even more than that. Their base, as I said. <clears throat> but the Democrat Party has no soul. Now, that was Saturday. Today is November 7th. So that was November, let's see, let me count backwards. 7th, 6th, that was November 4th. I want to read something to you. We've got a lot to cover this evening. In Blaze Media, um, former Muslim shares viral conversation with his father, dismantling the narrative blaming Israel for genocide by Chris Enloe. And this is in today's blaze, but 
this conversation between father and son occurred on November 5th, the day after my monologue. And that monologue has resonated a lot, without attribution, of course, but the issues that I've raised have been regurgitated, and that's a good thing. Author Harris Sultan went viral over the weekend for sharing a story about a conversation he had with his father that destroys the narrative accusing Israel of a genocide against Palestinians. Across the world, pro-Palestinian activists accuse Israel of genocide. They claim Gaza is an open-air prison and that the Israeli military kills Palestinian civilians, women and children included. We're seeing this all day today on cable. All day today on cable. These claims, unfortunately, even circulate in the halls of Congress with Representative Rashida Tlaib accusing Joe Biden of supporting a genocide. Of course, she is an anti-Semitic, anti-American reprobate. Enter Sultan, a former Muslim who wrote a book about his experience leaving the Islamic faith. In a recent conversation with his father, whom Sultan described as a so-called moderate Muslim, Sultan explained that his father asked why he is, quote, supporting this genocide, unquote, against the Palestinians. After explaining that he empathizes with suffering, Sultan showed his father a photo, which his father immediately assumed came from Gaza. But Sultan explained, quote, the photo is actually of a Yemeni child pulled from the rubble, resulting from a Saudi bombing in Yemen. The photo served to prove an important point. The world is outraged because Israel is defending itself from Hamas terrorists, but is silent when Muslims kill their own, which is, of course, my point you heard on Saturday. Quote, I pointed out that Israel has allegedly killed 7,000 Palestinians. Now, the reason he says allegedly, and the media are running with this, of course, we know now the Gaza Health Service, because I expose this, uh, is controlled by Hamas. And they put out whatever numbers they want. They have no independent sourcing for this. Well, the Saudis have killed at least 150,000 Yemeni Muslims. Some estimates suggest up to 300,000, he wrote. How can we call the current conflict a genocide when what the Saudis did is hardly even discussed by Muslims? Sultan explained in his viral post, don't get me started on 200,000 Muslims killed by Bashar al-Assad in Syria. Then Sultan recounted what he told his father when he expressed disagreement with Muslim on Muslim violence. How convenient, he said to his father, nearly half a million fellow Muslims, half a million, have been killed by other Muslims. And by the way, it's more than that. And you didn't even know about it, Sultan remembered. Yet when Israel retaliates against a terrorist organization that has killed, raped and maimed 1500 of its citizens, the whole Muslim world reacts. This anecdote illustrates an indicting fact, Sultan explained, after telling his story. The outrage against Israel for defending itself from Hamas, he pointed out, quote, seems to have less to do with preserving Muslim lives and more to do with the religious fantasy of hostility toward Jews. Sultan, it appears, is a one-man wrecking ball destroying the genocide narrative. In recent days, he has pointed out that Gaza's population has quadrupled in the last 60 years. Quadrupled which promise makes the claim that Israel is guilty of genocide or ethnic cleansing mere propaganda. Reminded people that Hamas's leaders live luxurious lives, and we talked about this last night, while Palestinians in Gaza are subjected to abject poverty and highlighted how the Western world, which claims to care about Gaza, never protested 
when exponentially more Muslims died in other Middle East conflicts. Very, very, very important. I've explained this. This gentleman has now explained it. Others are starting to pick up some of the uh, slack and put things in actual context. The fact is the Muslims slaughter Muslims, that Arabs slaughter Arabs, that there was no marching in the streets about any of it, as I explained, any of it. People marching in the streets now. They don't talk about who's funding these protests. They're not just happening. The Hamas network in our country, as I explained on Fox and here, has tens of millions of dollars for this and has been planning this. Soros front groups. Soros front groups. NGOs. Millions of dollars promoting this stuff. And I can go on, and that would be why, if you go to Media Matters right now, you'll see the endless attacks on Fox, on conservative talk radio, on conservatives generally, who are defending Israel and taking on the Hamas Nazi terrorists, which apparently Media Matters supports. If they don't, they have a funny way of showing it. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or a 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals. You know, ladies and gentlemen, NBC and MSNBC are among the two worst pro-Hamas news outlets in our country. Well, what else would you call them? Well, that's what I call them because that's what they are. Over at MSNBC... Uh, there's a guy by the name of, let's see, what is his name, Mr. Producer? We have the audio there. Mehdi Hassan. We paid, played this video several weeks ago and talked about it. And do we have time now, Mr. Producer? And this is a guy who is a primetime host on the weekends. Primetime host at MSNBC. Cut 21. It's hard to hear. This is something he said several years back. And uh, But this is what's in his mind, his heart, and his soul. Cut 21, go. And of course, the Gathas, the disbelievers, the atheists who remain deaf and stubborn to the teachings of Islam, the rational message of the Quran, they are described in the Quran as, quote, a people of no intelligence. Allah describes that. Not of no morality, not of no belief, a people of no intelligence. 
because they are incapable of the intellectual effort it requires to shake off those blind prejudices, to shake off those easy assumptions about this world, about the existence of God. In this respect, the Quran describes the atheists as cattle, as cattle of those who go with the crowd and do not stop and wonder about this world. Cut 22, go. All of these ulama unanimously agree that at the very minimum, if Yazid was not a kafir, then at the very minimum, he was a fasir, a transgressor, a breaker of Islamic laws, a corrupt individual, a tyrant, a killer, a drunkard, a dog lover, a music lover, a homosexual, a pedophile, a sexual deviant, someone who slept with his own mother, astaghfirullah. These are their views of these ulama in their books, not my view. He also used to be uh, with Al Jazeera. And now he's with MSNBC. He's been for a little bit. How could you possibly dismiss all this? They actually twist my word, were from warrant, to protect Wolf Blitzer from his leftist reporting, from his hostility to Netanyahu, his hostility to what the Israelis are trying to do to defend themselves. You don't have to twist this guy's words at all. This guy's fully out of the closet. He's full-throated. There's nothing confusing about it. And there are no stories about this guy. None. None. And this is MSNBC. He apologized, of course. But he's still an Israel hater. It's like the New York Times hiring the the Palestinian who uh, praised Hitler just a few years ago. Not more. Not once. Twice. They moved him off when they got hot and they brought him back when it wasn't hot anymore. MSNBC has serious problems. Al Sharpton. Long history of anti-Semitism. I don't even know if he's ever apologized for it. Has he? And he's not alone. I'm going to have a guest this weekend on my Sunday show, Life, Liberty, and Living. And it'll be a guest from the fantastic media watchdog group that watches the reporting about the Middle East, camera.org. Like the word camera? camera Camera.org. It's going to be fantastic. We'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I want to get into this phony special counsel in Washington, D.C., and a few of these other issues as well. But before we do, I'm not done with MSNBC. 
Unfortunately, I can't spend my entire week on these media outlets, but I will hammer them in bits and pieces. I was talking about MSNBC, and uh, there's a piece by David M. Lipman, Media and Education Research Analyst at the Committee for Accuracy in Middle East Reporting and Analysis, or CAMERA, as reported by the Jewish News Syndicate. And the headline is MSNBC host Ali Valshi's rabid, reckless, anti-Israel rant filled with false statements, exaggerations, and outright inaccuracies, yet MSNBC still makes excuses for him. And of course, he's still there. On April 30, 2022, MSNBC host Ali Valshi delivered a long rant against the Jewish state that was as dishonest as it was rabid. The monologue was riddled with false statements and exaggerations that betray Velshi's willingness to twist the facts to fit his preferred narrative. This is MSNBC. During this segment, he claimed the map of the Palestinian Authority, sometimes described as Swiss cheese, has been carved up by Israel over the past century. While the Palestinian Authority did not exist until 1994, a mere 28 years ago, or now 20 nine years ago, so the reference to the past century is erroneous. Furthermore, the PA was created under the Oslo Accords, a mutual agreement between the State of Israel and the Palestinian Liberation Organization. It's under these same agreements that the current map of the PA's various levels of autonomy was agreed to via negotiations. To claim that Israel carved up the territory controlled by the Palestinian Authority is false. It's a lie. The map and territorial changes that entailed an Israeli transfer of 40% of Judea and Samaria to Palestinian Authority control, for the most part under so-called Area B status, were drawn and agreed to in negotiations between the two parties and implemented. Indeed, Velshi himself acknowledged that the demarcation of the borders in this way is entirely legitimate. He stated, it's not illegitimate to change borders as long as it's done through negotiations. Well, it was, you idiot. He went on to claim that Israeli settlers live on, quote, illegally occupied Palestinian land, unquote, and that, quote, forcibly occupying another territory is illegal. Even if one considers the territory occupied, it is not considered illegal. Indeed, occupation is provided for in international law. The Fourth Geneva Convention. Camera has had this error corrected on numerous occasions by outlets like CNBC, The New York Times, The Independent, and Bloomberg. The claim that Israeli settlers live on Palestinian land is also incorrect under the Oslo Accords, and he goes on. But I would even go further. They're not settlers. Anymore, the Native Americans are settlers on the land in which they were the indigenous peoples. You can't be a settler if you're an indigenous person on your own land, Judea and Samaria are Jewish land and areas going back 4,000 years. And so he goes on about this guy, Velshi. He called Israel the leading occupying force in the world. This MSNBC clown. Now what metric did Velshi make this statement in terms of land area Western Sahara is 10 times the size of the entire state of Israel, including all the disputed territories. 
In terms of length of time, China's occupation of Tibet preceded Israel's capture of the territories by more than a decade and a half. In response to Cameron's request for corrections, MSNBC made various excuses for Velshi's disconnect from factual reality, such as that he didn't in fact make factual assertions, he spoke in shorthand. Now this guy's another Israel hater. And I call him out by name. Hey look, folks. I don't care who you are, what your faith is, could be Jewish. What your parents went through, what your children go through, what your aunt goes through, what your background is. If you're on air and you're saying certain things, or if you're a reporter for a newspaper and you're writing certain things that are intended, intended to make a statement, intended for public digestion, you don't get a pass. You don't get a pass. Nobody gets a pass. It needs to be addressed. MSNBC, Al Sharpton. It's incredible. Why does MSNBC hire all these people? And there's more of them. Why does it do that? NBC's no better, but you even have Andrea Mitchell. She's horrific. Absolutely horrific. In the way that she asks questions, then flops a question mark on the end of them. She doesn't really want questions answered. She's asking the question in a way to get the outcome that she wants. That's what she's doing. Here's another one. Times of Israel. Who could it be? Let's think of the lineup there. Could be any of them. MSNBC host, this is from June 9, 2018, but ladies and gentlemen, they're all over the place. Joy Reid criticized Jews, Ariel Sharon, and old blog posts. Embattled MSNBC host Joy Reid embattled my foot. Published posts on her now defunct and deleted blog mocking a lavish bat mitzvah, criticizing the late Israeli Prime Minister Ariel Sharon and suggesting the U.S. had no stake in the terrorist threat from Iran. The 2006 posts on the Reid Report, criticizing bar and bat mitzvah celebrations and addressing Iran, were first reported by the Daily Caller. They did a fantastic job. Wasn't first reported by CNN and Jake Tapper. Assuming he was there. He was at ABC before that. Certainly not by Media Matters. Media Matters doesn't mind anti-Semites and bigots as racists, as long as they're Democrats. Mr. Producer, you went on that site today. Did you see any attack on on, on uh, Rashida Talib? Nothing. Why? Because they're a Soros operation, that's why. They follow other reports since December about a series of controversial posts on her log, sh- shuttered log now. Read, who was the weekend host of MSNBC, AM Joy. Now, of course, she's been promoted to a prime time slot weekly. Has since apologized for posts considered homophobic. She has this in common with the president of Media Matters, by the way. Another promoting a 9-11 conspiracy theory and an illustration superimposing Senator John McCain's head onto the body of the 2007 Virginia Tech shooter. Can you imagine, Mr. Producer? You see how they... How they broom the past of these people and they, oh, they're sorry, oh, they didn't mean it, oh, they were young, and then they're back?
You're damn right I'm going to keep calling this out. Iran's president may be nutty, she said, but to my knowledge, he hasn't said he wants to destroy America. Mohammed Ahmadinejad has called for the destruction of Israel. Perhaps for Charles Krauthammer and other neocons, there's no distinction. But there certainly is a distinction for me, for American taxpayers, and for the United States military, which has pledged to only defend the U.S. Israel has a quite well-armed military of its own, don't you know? Daily Caller also found a post apparently written in response to the lavish 2005 bat mitzvah party of Amber Rittinger, daughter of entrepreneur Lauren and J.R. Rittinger. Quote, how does the modern Jewish teen spend her bat mitzvah, she asked, according to screenshots obtained by the caller. Answering an old question, Reed wrote, why with Herb Gotti and his soon-to-be rudderless label icons, Ashati and LaRue, plus Amarim, about a half a million dollars of your parents' cash, that's how. Oh, and you use the night to launch your own clothing line, too. Bling, bling. The bat mitzvah featuring the performers named in Reed's tweet was widely reported and ridiculed in the Jewish media at the time. But in addition, posts obtained by JTA, which is a very left-wing uh, Israel, excuse me, a Jewish site, uh, contemptible in many ways, nonetheless, Reed addresses media coverage of Judaism in Israel and expresses both political and personal distaste for Sharon, who at the time of her writing was hospitalized. He was dying from a stroke. For Israelis, she wrote, the qualities that provoke dread in bleeding hearts like me clearly elicited a sense of safety and stability. I've never been a fan of Ariel Sharon. He remains, in my mind, a rather thuggish figure, eternally linked to the Sabra and Shatila massacres, which by right should have driven him from public office. And it goes on. Reed expresses more personal distaste, personal attacks, and a blog post about President George W. Bush, his 2006 State of the Union speech. Reed wrote, you got to love the Jew cam. The Jew cam? You gotta love the Jew cam, she wrote, that seeks out Joe Lieberman like a laser-guided missile every time anyone mentions the word Israel. Reed also references, quote, a black guy cam that finds John Lewis at any mention of civil rights, an Obama African cam, and the Laura Bush cam. When asked for a comment on Reed's blogs, an MSNBC spokesperson sent a previous statement from Reed in the network about her log and her statement. Reed expresses regret. They always express regret, don't they? The anti-Semites, the American haters, they always express regret. And so many of them wind up at Comcast on MSNBC or on CNN and other places. Unbelievable. We're going to tackle this part of the time on Sunday when we have the great former ambassador to the United States from Israel, Ron Dermer, and also a top person at camera.org, C-A-M-E-R-A.org, that can give you chapter and verse about CNN, MSNBC, Washington Post, New York Times, and all the other contemptible, phony news platforms. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans, about a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation, and Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day, but they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this noble cause. And you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service. And Pure Talk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month, offering unlimited talk, unlimited text, more data, and a mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and make the switch. Let's rally together, show our unwavering support for our veterans, get the best service at the best price as well. Visit puretalk.com slash Levin, puretalk.com slash L-E-V-I-N, and switch to Pure Talk today in less than 10 minutes. It's the right move, and it's the American way. Here is Netanyahu on ABC's World News tonight, last night, with David Meir. Cut for a go. I think there's a, uh, the question of a, a ceasefire. The president himself has said that a ceasefire would be a surrender to Hamas. It would be a victory for Hamas, and you would no more have it than you would have uh, a ceasefire after the uh, al-Qaeda bombings of uh, the World Trade Center. I know the Biden administration has also said uh, now is not the time for a ceasefire. What they're proposing is a humanitarian pause. There will be no pause? Well, there will be no uh, ceasefire, general ceasefire in Gaza without the release of our hostages. As far as tactical little pauses, an hour here, an hour there, we've had them before. I suppose uh, we'll check the circumstances in order to enable uh, the goods, humanitarian goods to come in or our hostages, uh, individual hostages to leave. But I don't think there's going to be a general ceasefire. Uh, it's not that I don't think. I think it will hamper the war effort. It'll hamper our effort to get our hostages out because the only thing that works on these criminals in Hamas is the military pressure that we're exerting. You see, Biden has a totally different agenda. We've talked about the ideological uh really, suicidal agenda of Blinken and Obama to weaken Israel and empower Iran, and they are still pursuing that. Notice notice this administration still has not enforced the oil sanctions on Iran, even though they're now shooting at our soldiers. It, it, it's shocking. Absolutely shocking. Netanyahu, cut five, go. But there is daylight here on this notion of a humanitarian pause. Now you see how they just keep pushing a humanitarian pause. They even use the language of the Obama administration. ABC, CNN, the Washington Post. It's like a conga line. It's like the rockets. The rockets of the press dancing across the stage at Radio City. This is what they're doing. A humanitarian pause. What's humanitarian about the pause? When you're trying to defeat the enemy, they all admit the Hamas is bad to the Palestinian citizens there, but only Israel standing up to them and trying to defeat them. Humanitarian pause. This is what he keeps saying. Humanitarian pause. Humanitarian pause. Not once does he say, how fast do you think he can mop this up? Humanitarian pause. Not once do they ask how many IDF soldiers... Are you willing to risk? Humanitarian pause. 
Go ahead. But there is daylight here on this notion of a humanitarian pause. You don't agree with the Biden administration on that. We agree that we have to provide humanitarian assistance. Almost 718 willers have gone in so far the last week. Have you ever seen a war fought this way, America? Ever? As bad as our presidents have been in fighting wars, we never did that. Never. Go ahead. Meeting it with our American friends and with President Biden. We'll do whatever we can. We don't want to give Hamas the opportunity to endanger our soldiers. We saw that until we started the ground action, there was no pressure on them to release hostages. What we see is the minute we started the ground action, there is pressure. And they're still shooting missiles into Israel, are they not, Mr. Producer? They're still shooting missiles into Israel. So humanitarian pause? Don't you love the Marxist propaganda that these buffoons use? Chapter 4 of my book, by the way. The Democrat Party Hates America. Here we have John Kirby. You know what? Let's take a break. Then we'll, we'll jump back in. We'll be right back. Oh, excuse me. I have two minutes. 7.26 is a hard break. Oh, okay. Well, let's take a break now. We'll be right back. All right, let's go to John Kirby. Cut eight, go. Now, she's also talking about uh, history here and, and how things ended up the way they did in Gaza and uh, in the West Bank. And I think that the history is obviously long, it's complicated, it's complex, uh, and it's good for all of us to remind ourselves of, of how we got here. But it's also important to remember that this guy is still- flunky. He gets paid to say stupid things. Uh, I don't know how he ever became an admiral for which Navy. Uh, but they put him in these slots because he's a propagandist. Media like him, likable guy. I already said there can't be a two-state solution. Because Hamas, the PLO, they're caliphates. That's what they support, a caliphate. That's what Iran supports. That's what the Muslim Brotherhood supports. Islamic Jihad, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, caliphate. They're fighting over a caliphate. They're not going to be limited to the borders of a country. They say this themselves. So why do we have to hear stupid John Kirby all the time saying stupid things just because they wind him up over there in the White House and push him out front? I'll be right back. I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans, about a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation, and Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day. But they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this noble cause and you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service and pure talks plans start at just 20 bucks a month offering unlimited talk unlimited text more data and a mobile hotspot just go to puretalk.com slash levin l-e-v-i-n and make the switch let's rally together show our unwavering support for our veterans get the best service at the best price as well visit puretalk.com slash levin puretalk.com slash l-e-v-i-n and switch to pure talk today in less than 10 minutes it's the right move and it's the American way. 
You can call us now at 877-381-3811. And the liberal contact number is 877-381-3811. All right. I want to bring up the speed a little bit. They have the goods on Biden, but they always have. We're not hearing anything from Meritless Garland, as you well know. Um, this is from the Daily Wire. The White House dismissed a request by House Oversight Chairman James Comer seeking proof of President Joe Biden providing a loan to his brother, James Biden, amid concerns that the commander-in-chief may have profited off his family's influence peddling schemes. Robert Sauber, special counsel to the president, wrote back to Comer on Friday in response to a letter from October 26 that sought documentation underlying a $200,000 check James Biden wrote to Joe Biden that was labeled as a, quote, loan repayment in 2018. The letter concerns a financial transaction between two family members, says this special counsel, nothing special about him, at a time when both individuals were private citizens, Sauber stated curtly in his reply. Comer, who's leading a corruption-focused impeachment inquiry against Biden, is trying to get more information about a $200,000 check dated March 1, 2018, which he said bank records showed James Biden issued from his personal account on the same day he received the same amount of money from AmeriCorps Health LLC. That company, according to Comer, was going through bankruptcy proceedings to which James Biden was, quote, representations that his last name Biden could open doors and that he could obtain a large investment from the Middle East based on his political connections, unquote. Comer insisted his committee has no records supporting the claim. All right, let me slow down. I have my own information supporting the claim. Is there a loan document? That's what they want to know. Even a one-page loan document? If there's not, then that's a lie. That's number one. Number two, if there is a loan document, was it provided uh, that Joe Biden had to pay any interest? Because if Joe Biden doesn't pay any interest, and the IRS tells you what the minimum amount of interest is on a loan, then it would have been a gift to Joe Biden, and it should have been reported as a gift to Joe Biden. That's number two. Number three, my big bugaboo. Joe Biden's family members are representing foreign entities, foreign governments, under FARA. Neither his brother, nor his sister-in-law, nor Hunter have signed up as agents. And that was used against some of Donald Trump's closest supporters and confidants. It never really had been used before, but they used it now against some very good men. Paul Manafort, I think they used it against Roger Stone, but whomever. 200,000. But Mark, but Mark, Biden's not representing these interests. Biden is benefiting from these interests. He knows he's getting his money from Hunter and Joe and uh, Jim. He knows they're not FARA registered agents of foreign governments. And so what does that make Joe Biden? a conspirator to violate FARA. And this is on top of the phone calls and the meetings and the golf outings and the dinners and all the rest as it piles up, piles up, piles up. There's also another check. 
$40,000. Same thing, pretty much, $40,000. And, of course, he gets uh, protection from Jamie Raskin, who's a complete reprobate. Uh, Anything Donald Trump did was impeachable and should have sent him to prison for the rest of his life. Uh, Raskin, who's used to these Stalinist-like inquiries since his father was a huge fan of Stalin. And uh, as they say, he's a chip off the old block. He definitely is. But I have a different question that's not being asked, and I don't get it. Once again, where's the special counsel? There is enough information here. We call it a predicate. There's predicates everywhere. They're flying around like mosquitoes. Predicates everywhere. And yet no special counsel appointed by Meritless Garland. He doesn't even show his face. That threshold was met a long time ago under the regulation, and they will not appoint one. And speaking of special counsel, Jack Smith. Jack Smith is on the loose. He is rogue. He is Stalinist as well, of course. It's the nature of the beast over there in the Democrat Party. He's demanding a broader gag order on Trump, even though the existing one is pathetically unconstitutional. And he's now making filings because there was a very smart filing, very smart by the Trump lawyers saying, oh, uh, hello. Uh, Everything that Donald Trump did while he was president was protected. You can't now go back and say, oh, that's not executive privilege after the fact and go after a president for things he did, which we believe they argue is constitutional and legal, and so do I. But now, because he's a private citizen, say, uh, that protection for that period of time and the things you did during that period of time are no longer protected. And so Jack Smith writes basically an op-ed piece for the New York Times and the Washington Post, because the guy's basically an idiot. He's basically a schlub, but he's got the power and the tools of the federal government says, well, this is a different situation. No president has ever done anything like this. No pre- Hey, idiot. It's executive president. Don't give me this no president crap. Joe Biden's doing it as we speak. He's a crook. Oh, and also, uh, Smith says, and by the way, Smith operates after one of the Obama judges strips President Trump of his attorney-client privilege protection. Remember all this? We still haven't seen that secret opinion by that Obama pathetic, phony judge who had been the chief judge of the D.C. District. Of course, she would be. We haven't seen that. So he's stripped of attorney-client privilege. He's stripped of his First Amendment rights, which means he's stripped of due process. And his lawyers are told they have to prepare for a trial in four and a half months despite millions of pages of documents. So he's stripped of his Sixth Amendment rights, the right to effective representation of counsel. So there they violated the First Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, and the Sixth Amendment, and they're interfering with a presidential election. So tell me, who should be on trial here? Who's running an insurrection here? Biden? Garland, who's clearly in the witness protection program now? Smith? And Chunkin, they're the ones running an insurrection. It's dressed up as a courtroom. It's dressed up as justice. It's none of those things. 
I've told, I've, I've explained this before. They create a Potemkin, a Potemkin courtroom. Oh, this will be used, believe me. A Potemkin courtroom where we have this judge who's not really a judge, he's a hack. We have this prosecutor, he's not really a prosecutor, he's a nut. And where one day we may have a jury, a jury of the president's peers. If he were a Democrat, since 94% of the people in Washington, D.C. voted against Donald Trump. Voted against Donald Trump. Isn't this sickening? I think it's sickening, Mr. Producer. Do I owe you anything, by the way, before I get a... Before I keep plowing ahead because I'm, I'm getting my second wind here. Not that I need one. And then, of course, now there are photos of the crackpot elected Democrat judge in this civil case who already ruled before Donald Trump even walked into the courtroom, or his lawyers did, that Donald Trump was guilty as charged. It's just a matter of figuring out how much he owes and whether he can do business in New York. They, they do these things, right, in front of the click lights, right in front of us, and it's a oh-ho, hem-ho, who cares? Oh-hum. It's shocking. And it's going on all over the country. And by the way, they're trashing that judge again in Florida. All the usual Marxist operations like Salon. Real commie operation. But more. Because the judge is a real judge. She's playing it straight by the book. And she's making decisions on motions. She's not hearing. Take a look at this Chunkin. She insists that this trial be held before uh, the general election. She insists it be held during the primaries. The first date is a day before Super Tuesday, all intentional. And then she tells Trump to shut up. So here you have a presidential candidate who's told to shut up, can't defend himself, can't attack the prosecutor. He's running for president, so they're doing everything humanly possible to cripple him. But you know what? Here's the thing. Many Americans are on to it. But here's my concern, and I mentioned to this to you months ago. Months ago. They want him to have that scarlet letter of convicted felon. Remember that? And you even have them talking about it now, the Democrat Party pro-Hamas media. That's what they are. If you're not against Hamas, then you're pro-Hamas. Can't be partly against Hamas, use their statistics, use their propaganda, and then pretend you're a straight shooter. You call them as you see them. No, you're not. You're pro-Hamas. It's like saying you're, uh, look, I'm calling them as I see them with the Nazi Germans. Yeah, no, no, you're pro-Nazi. But the point is this. They want that scarlet letter because... The media say it's one thing, you know, they don't like Biden. They might vote for Trump. But if he's convicted felon, it's going to be very difficult for some of these people to vote for him. So that's the game plan. That's the game plan. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I 
have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans. About a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation. And Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day. But they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this noble cause. And you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service. And Pure Talk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month, offering unlimited talk, unlimited text, more data, and a mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and make the switch. Let's rally together, show our unwavering support for our veterans, get the best service at the best price as well. Visit puretalk.com slash Levin, puretalk.com slash L-E-V-I-N, and switch to Pure Talk today in less than 10 minutes. It's the right move, and it's the American way. We have our buddy Ted Cruz on next hour, by the way. Well, you know, I hadn't known about this until somebody sent this to me from Breitbart today, this morning. Jim Jordan, censorship org, <clears throat> election integrity partnership was created at the Department of Homeland Security Agency's request. Now, this is really unbelievable. The police state is here. Jordan has released further evidence of the collaboration between the federal government and private institutions to censor the First Amendment protected speech of Americans, including new files that show that the infamous election integrity partnership, you understand this is in my book, The Democrat Party Hates America, which targeted social media posts for censorship during the 2020 election, was created at the request of the Department of Homeland Security under Joe Biden. And one of the examples of the censorship machine in action shared by Jordan is a request to censor a tweet by President Trump, including a link to a Breitbart News story. The Election Integrity Partnership is a consortium of four organizations, Stanford Internet Observatory, Atlantic Council's Digital Forensics Research Lab, which sounds so professional, the University of Washington Center for an Informed Public. Representative Dan Bishop, in a hearing of the House Homeland Security Committee earlier this year, played a clip unearthed by the Foundation for Freedom Online showing the Atlantic Council casually discussing the EIP's, quote, partners in the government, most particularly those at DHS. Okay, so who were they monitoring? Who were they trying to squelch and censor, Mr. Producer? Let's take a look at the list here. Um, looking at the list. News outlets targeted by the EIP included Breitbart News, Fox News, The New York Post, Epic Times, as well as the social media accounts of prominent conservatives Charlie Kirk, Tom Fitton, Jack Bosbiek, Mark Levin, James O'Keefe, and Sean Hannity, among others. That's not nice. That's not nice at all. I'm sure Jake Tapper is going to be very upset about this. Wolf Blitzer, too. Andrea Mitchell. Joe Scarborough. I'm sure they're all going to be saying this is outrageous. So this show and my social sites were targeted for censorship, among others. Other folks, other conservatives, by the federal government through a third party. 
This is why I still and will consider Elon Musk a hero. He's lost money on Twitter, a lot. But he's one billionaire who puts his money where his mouth is. And he didn't need all the headaches. The left loved him. Conservatives didn't really know anything about him. And here he is under federal investigation now by the Southern District of New York and Maine Justice. Why? Because he hasn't fallen in line with Biden and the Democrats. That's why. The police state is here. The police state has been here. You know, folks, if you haven't gotten your copy of the Democrat Party Hates America, go look at the comments on Amazon. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-381. These books that I write, they really do last the uh, test of time. They're not about me. They're not hit and run. They're not written by ghostwriters. And those of you who've purchased the book and read it, particularly on Amazon and left your comments, we're at five stars there. We've been at five stars there for... Let's see, almost two months. I want to thank you very much. There's really nothing else I can say, I don't think, to encourage people to do what they haven't done if they haven't purchased a copy or gotten the audio or the Kindle yet. Thanksgiving's coming up. It's the perfect book to hand to a friend or family member to persuade them of the wrongness of their party if they are still Democrats. I think it can have a huge impact on the upcoming elections, presidential, congressional, and senatorial. And I think especially Chapter 4 will be effective in explaining the use and abuse of language, how totalitarian regimes have done that. I did an enormous amount of research on this. And there are certain common threads in all of it. Uh, how they change words, how they basically eliminate words, how they change the meaning of words and phrases. And that's why when you ask them, what's a woman, they won't tell you what a woman is. Or 
That's why they talk about misinformation as a way of destroying free speech. That's why when they talk about a humanitarian pause, uh, that's not what they mean. They mean appeasement, and they don't want Israel to win. And the media use all these tricks at the Democrat Party, and what Biden does as well. And this is how they, they advance their agenda. They conceal what they really mean. So they say the border is secure. No, it's not secure. Well, we need comprehensive immigration reform. Joe Biden is a very effective liar, not because he's smart, because he's practiced. That is, he's been doing it for decades. And so it's very important to unravel all this, which I do in Chapter 4. Uh, and I explain this in Chapter 4. In Chapter 2, Chapter 2 is essentially is an essential chapter, particularly uh, t- for understanding how Democrats have treated black Americans from the day of slavery to today. Chapter 2 and Chapter 3 together are absolute killer chapters. And they explain how the Democrat Party has abused and exploited black people. And those chapters explain how the Democrat Party has abused and exploited Jewish people. It's doing the same to Asians and Hispanics. Those are two very, very important chapters. And the first chapter lays out the case that really the fundamentals in the Democrat Party are not that different than the fundamentals of other parties, autocratic parties, whether they be in Russia, whether they be in China, and what have you. It's just a matter of degree. It's just a matter of level. But the mindset is similar. It's a very, very important chapter, the first chapter. And so I get into that as well. And I only mention this now because the holidays are coming up. It's probably your last chance to get it at 45% off. If you want a signed copy, you can go to Premier Collectibles. Can we put that up on our social sites, their link, Mr. Producer? I've been meaning to do it. Premier Collectibles, they only have a few thousand left out of, I think I signed 10,000. And those are perfect gifts for Hanukkah and Christmas and Thanksgiving as well. And you can get them right away. They're beautifully packaged. And uh, that's the only way you're going to get signed copies at this point, because I'm not doing any more signing events. Chapter 5 is crucially important. Goes through nuts and bolts on immigration and the destruction of the citizen. Because that's what's going on on the southern border. The destruction of the American citizen. And then, of course, chapter 6 is the war on the nuclear family. Which we've talked about. Chapter 7, the war on the Constitution. And chapter 8 really is what they've been doing to Trump. If you have American Marxism, which really lays out the entire premise for the modern-day Democrat Party, and you have the Democrat Party Hates America, they're really two volumes. If you have the one, you really kind of need the other. If you have American Marxism, then the Democrat Party Hates America is volume two. They fit hand in glove. 
one picks up where the other left off. So American Marxism lays the entire philosophical issue from beginning to end, how they've adjusted, manipulated Marxism to apply it to various aspects of our country, Americanism. Who did it, when they did it, why they did it. And then, when you get the Democrat Party hates America, you can see how this is a corrupt party, how it is a autocratic party, in many ways a totalitarian party, today even. I mean, I just read a piece where they're, they're censoring and monitoring, among others, me. Me. And other conservatives. And other conservative organizations. You know, a few years ago, this would have been a shocking scandal. Today, it's acceptable, because the media have thrown in 100%. The media are into this. American Marxism, and they are Democrats. So if you have a copy of American Marxism, I want to strongly encourage you to get a copy of The Democrat Party Hates America and put them side by side on your shelf. Alexis de Tocqueville, when he wrote Democracy in America, he actually wrote two books, two volumes. So when we talk about Democracy in America, the book, it's actually two volumes. And so when I wrote America Marxism, and now the Democrat Party hates America, these are really two volumes. Two volumes. And if you read American Marxism and you read the Democrat Party hates America, you will have knowledge for the ages. There's no question about it. And you will be the Thomas Paines, and you will be able to spread the word. At Thanksgiving, at Christmas, at Hanukkah, anytime, anywhere. Ideas do matter. You see it in the streets. Bad ideas, evil ideas, spreading throughout the country. We need good ideas. American ideas spreading throughout the country. That's our role. That's your role, that's my role. So I want to encourage you, not implore you, encourage you, that if you have a copy of American Marxism, go to Amazon or any major bookstore. Don't go to Barnes & Noble. They're hiding it. Go to any major bookstore, any major warehouse store. But if you want to get it right away, go to Amazon, 45% off. You're not going to find that in many places. The Democrat Party hates America. If you're traveling over Thanksgiving and you're, you're going through the airports, don't bother going to Hudson. They've never carried this book in any significant way. Another censorship operation like Barnes & Noble. They don't deserve your business because it's a censorship operation to keep you from reading this book. But it won't work. The only thing right now keeping you from getting this book might be you. But we have the signed versions for the holidays. And we have the 45% off version at at Amazon.com and all the major bookstores and warehouses. So I want to strongly encourage you to grab your copies. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, it's always a pleasure to have our buddy Senator Ted Cruz on the program. Ted, how are you, sir? Mark, I'm doing terrific. Great to be with you. 
Well, it's a pleasure. And Ted has written a killer book, Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. Now, by now, Ted, you've probably done about 30 interviews and your head's about to fall off your shoulders. I've been through this. But that said, uh, you have the ability to explain things like few others. So explain to everybody why you wrote this book in the first place. Uh, well, um, a- as you know, the very first interview I did was with you Sunday night on your show, and we spent the whole hour talking about it. And, and, and it's a book, I, I wrote this book really to explain what in the hell is going on in our country. So many millions of, of Americans, so many millions of your listeners are looking around at how did things get so insane, so extreme, so quickly. And, and this book is designed to explain that, and, and, it, and it focuses on how the radical left has seized the major institutions of our nations. It starts with the universities, and I call the universities the Wuhan lab of the woke virus. They, they are where the virus was created, they're where it's mutated, and they're where it's spread to other institutions. And then each chapter focuses on a different institution. So it goes from universities to K through 12 education, and, and with the garbage of critical race theory and transgender extremism being forced on children. From there, it goes to journalism and the radicalization of the corporate media. From there, it goes to big business and big business being turned into the woke enforcers of the left wing. From there to to big tech and the rabid censorship from big tech. From there to entertainment, the most dangerous of all of them, Hollywood, movies, television, music, sports. And from there to science and the corruption and politicization of science. And what the book endeavors to do is, number one, explain how and why the radical left, the cultural Marxists, seized control of each of these institutions from inside. But number two, even more importantly, it lays out specific practical steps, a battle plan for how we take these institutions back. Mm-hmm. The book is Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America, and we'll get to this issue of how we take these institutions back in a moment. I thought one of your most compelling chapters was on the media and the role of the media. I mean, we're supposed to have a free press. I mean, the press is free to do it at once, if that's what they mean by a free press. But it's not really a free press, is it? It it, it is no longer. And and, and I I opened the book by contrasting where things were a decade ago. And, and, And I focused initially on CNN. Look, a decade ago. CNN, they aspire to be journalists. If you ask them what they wanted to do, they would say they want to present both sides of an issue. They want to be fair and balanced and objective. And they tried to do that. Now, they were terrible at it. They leaned left. But but a decade ago, when I was first elected to the Senate 11 years ago, I used to go on CNN once a week. I'd regularly go on CNN. In 2017, CNN had three town hall uh, town halls with me and Bernie Sanders, 90 minutes each, debating free enterprise versus socialism. And, and they were, I think, CNN's highest rated programs that whole year. That's back when CNN was actually operating as, as journalists. When Donald Trump became president, Trump broke the media. It shattered, sh- he shattered their brains. They hate him so much that they abandoned, they no longer view their role as presenting both sides of an issue. They are advocates. They are propagandists. Today, if CNN has a panel, it's five people discussing how Donald Trump is the devil. That's the only view that is acceptable, and they're obsessed with it. 
you know, you take something like like the rabid pro-Hamas protesters that stormed the White House this weekend, that put graffiti, that defaced monuments all over D.C. If you watch CNN, never happened. If you watch MSNBC, never happened. ABC, CBS, NBC did not happen. Why? Because they view their role as being advocates. And I got to say, that's terrible for America. We need we need a functioning press corps. And by the way, and I explain this in the book, the corruption of journalism is a huge part of why Democrats have gotten so radical and extreme, because they can vote for ridiculous extreme positions and rest calmly serene that nobody in the media will report on it. None of their constituents will know about it. And and so they're never, ever held accountable for anything they do. And that is a great point. And... um... You look at CNN, you look at MSNBC, despite what's going on in the Middle East, Ted Cruz, which is horrendous, what was done to the state of Israel, and now Israel's trying to defend itself. Whatever the Biden administration comes up with, they support, like this phrase, humanitarian pause. All through the weekend, they were using that phrase. Netanyahu's doing an interview on uh, ABC's Sunday show, and the host there keeps saying, are you going to support a humanitarian pause? So they just sit there and push even the language of the Democrat Party. No. Uh, they absolutely do. And, and and they're not just the Democrat Party. They are the left wing of the Democrat Party. So so they push everyone to the left. And, and, and you look at, 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 at Israel. And, and this is something that I've outlined at, at great length on, on my podcast, Verdict with Ted Cruz. The Biden administration has undermined Israel literally every day from the beginning of this war. This war began one month ago today on October 7th with the worst mass murder of Jews since the Holocaust. And, and the night the, 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 the attack was happening, the Biden State Department tweeted out calling on Israel not to retaliate and saying violence solved nothing and there should be no military retaliation. This is as Hamas is targeting civilians, murdering civilians deliberately, raping women and little girls, murdering infants, killing 1,400 Israelis, and the Biden State Department at 3 in the morning, as this is ongoing, is urging Israel, do not retaliate, do not strike back at the terrorists, just allow your citizens to be murdered. Now, at 3 in the morning, I blasted that on Twitter, and I said, whoever wrote this should be fired, whoever approved it, should be fired. They deleted it within the hour. The next day, Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, tweeted out again that he just talked with, with the tur- Turkish foreign minister and they were urging a ceasefire. Now, mind you, they, they don't mean Hamas should stop be terrorists. They don't mean Hamas should release the hostages. They mean Israel should stop killing terrorists. Again, I blasted that tweet. Again, they deleted that. That was the next day. Now we have Joe Biden going to Israel and Tony Blinken going to Israel. And what are they saying? Ceasefire, humanitarian pause. What they're saying is Israel do not kill terrorists. And the media are actively complicit in this. And in fact, the media is part of Hamas's strategy. They know that when they use Palestinian human shields and Palestinian women and children are killed, that the useful idiots in the media will use that fact to to demonize Israel. And so Hamas is counting on the radical left wing bias of the American media. 
And and uh, Ted Cruz, when we come back, by the way, the book is Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. Mr. Producer, let's put it on all my social platforms and link it to Amazon. Um, and by the way, you need to tell Regnery to start printing some books, brother, between you and me. When we come back, my question is going to go beyond this. Colleges and universities and what's happening in our streets. We'll be right back. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. We're here with Senator Ted Cruz. Before we go on, Ted, tell us about this election you have coming up. People don't realize you're running for re-election and you're in a hell of a race. I, I am. I'm running for re-election in 2024, so a year from, from today. And and it is going to be a massive battle. My last election, uh, re-election in 2018, was at the time it was the most expensive Senate race in U.S. history. And we were outspent three to one. Money flooded into the state of Texas. The Democrats more than doubled Democrat turnout in the state of Texas. And we won by less than three points. We won by 2.6%. Uh, it was an incredibly close race. And, and given that, Chuck Schumer has already made clear that that I am his number one target in the country and and they are going to flood the state of Texas. They're going to spend more than one hundred million dollars trying to beat me. And and their likely nominee is a guy named Colin Allred. He's a Democrat congressman who his first four years in the House voted 100 percent with Nancy Pelosi, literally did not deviate on a single vote. And by the way, you want a clear distinction of what's happening with Hamas and Israel? At the beginning of the Biden administration, I led a group of 17 senators urging the Biden administration, don't send hundreds of millions of dollars to Gaza because it will end up in the hands of Hamas and be used for terrorism to murder Israelis and murder Americans. At the same time, 150 House Democrats, including Colin Allred, sent a letter to, to the Biden administration saying, Please do send hundreds of millions of dollars to Gaza, even though it, it will be used to fund Hamas and fund terrorism. And the Biden administration itself concluded, in its own words, there was, quote, a high risk that the money would be used for terrorism by Hamas. Under normal anti-terrorism laws, you can't send the money. But the Biden administration waived U.S. anti-terrorism law because their left-wing politics mattered more than avoiding terrorism. And so literally the death squads in Israel were as a practical matter funded by the Biden administration. And my likely Democrat opponent urged them to do that. And he's going to have $100 million. So I will say, um, I hope that everyone listening buys the book, but I hope you also go to tedcruz.org, 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 and sign up, volunteer, and make a contribution because we're in one heck of a battle. Mr. Producer, let's put that as well on all the social platforms, if you would. And if you can help, ladies and gentlemen, I know Ted would appreciate it. Uh, we've backed Ted from day one before anybody else, and we cannot lose him on election night while we're watching election returns. And all of a sudden, Texas elects this radical left wing kook Democrat and replaces him. Uh, the most effective, certainly one of the most effective conservative senators in my lifetime. All right, let's get back. Unwoke, how to defeat cultural Marxism in America. You can get it at Amazon.com, any major bookstore. 
uh, or warehouse store for that matter, uh, are students, people in the streets, pushing anti-Semitism, embracing terrorism. What's that all about, Ted Cruz? Well, it is all a manifestation of cultural Marxism. It's what this book is all about. And, and what I explain in the book is, is Marxism. What Karl Marx laid out is, is, is a worldview that views the society as a fundamental conflict between oppressors and victims. And, and Marx put it in socioeconomic terms. So the oppressors were the owners of capital and the victims were the proletariat, the working class, and his solution was a violent revolution of the proletariat using government force to overthrow the oppressors and forcibly redistribute the wealth and power to the victims. Those Marxists, I describe in the book, became professors at elite universities in the United States starting in the 60s and 70s. There it mutated, so it wasn't just Marxism based on socioeconomic class, it became critical race theory. Same view of conflict, oppressors and victims, but this time based on race. Then it, it transmogrified to gender and gender identity and sexual orientation. And, and you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I, I was meeting with a very, very successful tech entrepreneur in Silicon Valley who has historically leaned left. He's been a Democrat. And, and he was asking me, he said he was horrified by the rabid anti-Semitism on the left, whether the squad in the House or these crazed anti-Israel protesters on college campuses threatening Jewish students. He's, and he was asking, where the hell did this come from? And I explained, I said, listen, in the modern extreme left, Jews are coded as oppressors and Palestinians are coded as victims. And so accordingly, the cultural Marxists they are rooting for the Palestinians to engage in violent revolution, the violent overthrow of their oppressors, the Jews. And it's why you see organizations like Black Lives Matter openly cheering on the Hamas terrorists. It's why you see 35 student groups at Harvard putting out a ridiculous, bigoted, anti-Semitic statement that every murder, every rape, every atrocity carried out by Hamas terrorists is 100% the fault of Israel. That is the conclusion of this rabid Marxist ideology, and, and it underscores the need. We've got to take these institutions back. It's incredible. And if we can't take them back, shouldn't we at least start defunding aspects of them? Yes, yes, yes. Cut off the money, and one of the best things we're seeing is we're seeing donors at major universities cutting off millions of dollars, saying if you are going to breed a bunch of rabid anti-Semites, if you're going to refuse to protect your Jewish students. Look, I, I saw a video at Harvard, my alma mater, of a Jewish student walking along being surrounded by yeah, the, these that. rabid anti-Semites harassing him, threatening him. And where the hell is Harvard University? Anyone who does that to any student ought to be mm -hmm. expelled immediately. And yet these university administrators are so woke that they're not willing to protect the safety of the Jewish students on campus. By the way, uh, Ted Cruz, am I wrong? Because I'm doing the radio show. Did uh, the Democrat governor win re-election in Kentucky? Uh, it certainly looks like it. Um, I don't know that they've called it, but according to the New York Times right now, he's at 52.7% and Daniel Cameron's at 47.3%, which is really 
heartbreaking, particularly given the I, I, I don't know how how that happened in Kentucky. That's disappointing. Well, isn't he a uh, Mitch McConnell protege? He is. Isn't and, he exactly and, the kind of candidate from a philosophical point of view that Mitch McConnell wants to run in every state in the union? Uh, look, that's. It is certainly the case that Mitch McConnell believes that the way you win elections is with lukewarm candidates, with candidates who who don't stand for anything. And I don't mean this to be critical of Cameron. I, I, I like Daniel personally. But but Mitch's approach is he wants Republican candidates who stand for nothing and, and that the only thing they campaign on is, well, Democrats are worse than we are. I, I think that's a disastrously failed approach. But my the point you is you're elections. right, because Trump yeah. won Kentucky by over 20 points. Yes, and this gentleman who seemed to have all the credentials, his attorney general and so forth, and he loses. And this is prototype. This is a prototypical candidate. Nothing personal to the man. Not at all. But this is the prototypical candidate that Mitch McConnell wants running in every state. And then he blames the Tea Party, or he'll blame Donald Trump, or he'll blame somebody else when they don't get the victories that they insist on. Why doesn't he ever get behind the conservatives rather than whining all the time? That's now, look, just me. It, you don't it, have to answer that. It, it's a massive problem. I, I, I emphatically agree, and I'll tell you, it's one of the reasons why I need the help uh, of your listeners in my race. So in 2018, while I'm facing the most expensive Senate Senate election in U.S. history and being outspent three to one, that cycle, Mitch McConnell's super PAC spent $300 million supporting Republicans nationally. You know how much he spent in Texas? Zero. Not a damn penny. And I was in a race I won by less than three percentage points. But frankly, our leadership would rather a Democrat than a Republican who actually stands up to leadership and fights for conservative values. And it's why my base is support. Oh, look, I would not be in the Senate, Mark, without you. And when I ran in, in 2012 and no one thought I had a prayer, you would have me on the radio and, and you would say, we're doing a Levin surge. <laughs> and I'd sit, I'd sit there on my phone and I would get an email for every online contribution and my phone would just explode with thousands of contributions that people would go to tedcruz.org. It was powerful, and your voice is is desperately needed. And we're going to do that again uh, when we get a little closer to this, because you're going to need the money, and you're not going to get it from a lot of these people in the establishment. You're exactly right. McConnell and his elk would rather purify the Republican Party, purify it, than, uh, than be in the majority. And then when they fail... Because the American people, I'm going to be honest, particularly Republicans, are more conservative than much of the Republican leadership. Yep. They want some action. They want some, yeah, undoubtedly. Uh, and uh, they just play too much footsie, the establishment, with the bureaucracy, with the uh, lobbyists and all the rest. And people have had enough of it, particularly conservatives and Republicans. Well, I, I want to congratulate you on this book. It's fantastic. Again, I want to encourage you folks. Go to Amazon.com, or if you're going to go to Costco or one of those places, uh, they'll have his book. But if they don't, it's not hard to get it. You can go to Amazon.com. The book is Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. Absolutely superb. It's got uh, Senator Cruz's wisdom in there. And he does have solutions in there. And I'll let you read the book to find them out. Uh, But I think you're going to really like it. It's in plain English. It's very understandable. Uh, it exposes a tremendous amount. And you might say at this point, well, what's the point? 
What's the point? Ideas. That's the point. The Constitution is an idea. The Declaration is an idea. Marxism is an idea. We've got to confront them on ideas. Correct, Senator? Absolutely right. We've got a battle to take it back. And look, the book is optimistic. Um, the chapter on K-12 through education focuses on Loudoun County and, and the teenage girl who was sexually assaulted in the bathroom by a boy wearing a skirt, a girl's bathroom. The school district denied it. They said their ideology mattered more than protecting the kids. And in fact, they threw the, the father of the teenage girl. It, it, they arrested him. Mm-hmm. But moms in Virginia rose up and we flipped Virginia from a blue state to a red state. That's mm-hmm. the power of, of empowering and, and, and people. And I walk through in every chapter how we take these institutions back, whether it is buying media outlets, whether it is Elon Musk buying Twitter, or, or whether it is standing up to woke corporations and holding them accountable from Bud Light to Target. We're winning big victories. And so I just want to encourage everyone, please go to your bookstore, go to Barnes & Noble, go to Amazon, buy the book tonight. And by the way, it makes a great Christmas gift for a family member or friend. And, and I'll say the book is designed to be fun and readable. It's not an abstract academic book. It's not dry. It's war stories. It's interesting. It's fun. And you will put it down knowing much more about how to fight to save our country. Unwoke, how to defeat cultural Marxism in America, Amazon.com, anywhere books are sold. Well, not anywhere. Sometimes they don't sell our books, but you know what I mean. Senator, God bless you, and thank you, my friend. Be well. God bless you, and I think you're right. The commie bookstore doesn't carry it. (laughs) That's correct. All right, take care. Uh, Which is, (laughs) I better not come up beyond there. All right, Mr. Producer, where are you taking me here? I'm trying to find... Why don't we take a break, and I'll I'll return. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Rather than rejecting conservatism, these rhinos, you know, they're throwbacks to Gerald Ford. That's what they are. Nothing personal against Gerald Ford. They're throwbacks to Chris Christie, to Chris Sununo. They may be able to work it through in a particular state here and there, but they do not represent a movement, predictable principles, uh, create enthusiasm and motivation for our voters or for any voters. I'm just being honest. And you cannot, you cannot win majorities this way. Mitch McConnell's been around too long. He tried to destroy the Tea Party. He's tried to destroy MAGA. He voted for and supported Gerald Ford over Ronald Reagan. How much, how wrong can you be, ladies and gentlemen? I had intended to get to some callers today, and we'll do our best to do that tomorrow. Because I know you've got a lot on your minds out there. And I want to, again, tell you, if I don't tell you enough, and I think I do as much as I can, how I appreciate you folks in the audience, particularly at times like this, when it seems like the world is collapsing around us, when some of us can't even sleep at night, we're so upset about what's taking place, especially in our own country, as well as in other countries. This is where we come together. This is where we are. We are the nation's town hall meeting. And I want to salute all of you and all of our heroes. All of you. 
And thank you and God bless you. And I'll see you tomorrow.